This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. My name is Tom Lee. I'm the um, pastor of ministries here at Nags Head Church, a volunteer position that um, I fill in here and serve God in our church. Um, this morning and right now, uh, you're, we're right in the middle of a series that's called Storytellers, and we're telling our story. Your pastors are coming up each Sunday and telling your story, and Sam last week told the story of Jesus, and I uh, really appreciate the job that he did um, explaining to us uh, Jesus' story. But it's my turn today to tell my story, and a lot of people come to church here at Nags Head Church, and um, matter of fact, most of the people that come to church here uh, weren't here when I was a young boy or a young teenager. And they don't know my story. They just assume that I've always been here and always been a Christian or, you know, always been the pastor or one of the volunteer pastors or whatever. But that's not the case. And a lot of times people will come and join our church and get to know me a little bit. And then they'll, they'll go out into the community or go somewhere and they'll meet someone who knew me when I was a teenager or when I was a younger person. And they'll come back and they'll go, you know, their mouth is like, whoa, I didn't know all that about Tom, you know, these... So I'll, I'll be sharing my story today, um, this morning, um, but, but everybody has a story to tell, and uh, our story is God's story, and st- God's story is our story. And uh, when we met together, we met at Lafagados a few weeks ago as we started planning out this series, uh, Nathan said, that's kind of the theme, and, I'm, uh, and it took me a while to figure out what he's talking about. I was like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? God's story is our story, but it's like in the movies or TV series, you know, anybody watch Lost? Only a few few faithful left this last season. But anyway, you see the same thing in movies, you know, where you'll have two characters and, and, the, and the story switches back and forth between the two characters and you see what's happened in one person's life and then the other person's life. And then at the climax of the movie, you know, you see the two characters combine, you know, they'll, 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 their stories combine or intersect at some point in the show or the movie. And that's the way it is with God. God wants to intersect his story with our story. And that's why God's story becomes our story and our story becomes his as he becomes a part of our life and changes us and works in us. And people, you hear a lot of arguments about from people about, you know, why they don't believe in God or why they don't trust God or why, you know, they don't want to have anything to do with church, especially at Easter time. You see the, the TV shows, you know, the why, you know, Jesus, you know, he really didn't raise from the dead. And these, they give all the, you know, explanations. But people like to argue that point, you know, with you. If you ever say, hey, I'm a Christian, this is what I believe. People like to argue little, the little points, you know, like, oh, did Jesus really do all those miracles? I don't believe that. You know, how can you Christians believe that? Or how can you Christians believe the Bible is true? And they always have an argument why God's word is not, you know, God's word and you can't trust it. Or, or you know, some of these arguments. How could you say that God created the earth in six days? That's not possible. How do you Christians believe that? But people like to argue with you about things that we believe, things that Christians say they believe. But the one thing that people can't argue with is your story. People can't argue with the way that God has changed you or come into your life and done incredible things. And so as we share this series, as we go through and tell our stories, we want to encourage you to be able to do the same thing. You know, I work um, in the construction field. I've been doing it for over 30 years, working on um, construction sites, working with other people um, from time to time that we hire, and they come in and work with me, and 
but I also see people, you know, from day to day that, that um, are working on the job, same job that I am. And I've heard a, a thousand stories from different people that I work with. And some of the stories that I don't hear, this is some of the stories I've never heard people tell me. I sure am glad I began doing drugs and drinking when I was young, and my life has just turned out so much better since I started. I've never heard that story. I never heard anybody say, you know, the best thing I ever did was started having an affair with someone other than my spouse, and I left my kids and my wife. I've never heard anybody tell me that story and say that their life is so much better now. I've never heard anybody say, I feel so much at peace now. Much, much more peace is in my life now that I've decided not to forgive my parents or my dad or my mom or someone who's done something wrong to me. You know, now that I'm holding on to that bitterness for all my life, I'm a much better person. I've never heard anybody tell that story before. I never hear anybody tell the story. You know, when I was young, I went to church and um, I turned away from God at some point in my life and I've not looked back. And now everything is so much brighter and better in my life. I've never heard those stories. Matter of fact, I've heard a million stories just the opposite from people who made wrong decisions and wrong choices in their life. So everybody has a story to tell. And we want to encourage you to be able to tell your faith story. Maybe not take 30 minutes and stand up on a stage and tell somebody, but you can tell somebody at work, at school, you know, even if it's just a couple of minutes what God has done in your life. I know we have a lot of new believers, a lot of young Christians too. And here at Nags Head Church, we want to help you to tell your story. And sometimes you just don't feel comfortable doing that. So we, we, uh, we have a little thing we call it invest and invite, where we want you to um, invest in your friends, the people that you work with, co-workers, people at school, and say, you know, uh, maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing your story yet, but if you can build a friendship with someone they can, and, and then you can bring them here and we'll tell you the story for you and uh, help you to do that. My story begins when I'm a child of the 60s, born in 1964. And uh, just like most people that in that era, that were born in that era, I'd talk to people that come and join our church um, for partnership and, and hear their story. And a lot of them that are the same age as me, they have pretty much the same story. They grew up um, in, in a home that took them to church. You know, they may have gone to Sunday school. And I was the same way. Uh, growing up in the 60s, my, my mom took us to church. We went to Sunday school. I even went to the first two years of school in a Christian school, first and second grade. And uh, I always heard about, you know, if you, if you would have asked me, you know, I, would, I always knew who Jesus was. You know, we celebrated Christmas and Easter, and we uh, learned in Bible school who Jesus was, knew all the stories, and understood exactly who Jesus was and what he had done. And, um, you know, I can even remember going and seeing my mom baptized at uh, the church where we lived, you know, where we, near where we lived in Portsmouth. And uh, so I just, you know, I've always known about Jesus. I already, always knew what he did. And, and your story may be just like that. You know, we, we uh, went to Sunday school and, you know, and brought up in a Christian home. Um, but as we moved to the Outer Banks when I was around 10 or, uh, well, second grade, second, third grade, something like that. As we moved to the Outer Banks, uh, we kind of just got out of the habit. You know, I was, I was a kid. I didn't really, um, wasn't my choice or didn't have anything to do with it. But my dad wasn't a Christian at that time. He later got saved. But uh, we just kind of fell out of going to church and got out of the habit like a lot of people do. And, um, and just got out of the habit of going. And, and, you know, I still believed in God. I still prayed from time to time, I guess, as a boy. 
and uh, kind of understand, understood who Jesus was and understood that I was a sinner and those kinds of things that you learn about in, in, uh, when you're young. But um, as I became a teenager, uh, my life kind of changed. I, I kind of started drifting away. My life didn't take a, um, a good turn. Um, I still believed in God, like I said, but I started making bad choices when I was a teenager and kind of just started um, going down. You know, my whole philosophy was I want to be the coolest person. I wanted to have the best-looking girlfriend, you know, in school. I wanted to have the coolest hair, you know. I wanted to look the coolest, like, you know, and everybody look up to me and be cool. And uh, you laugh at my hair. And I'll just say to the young men here, uh, grow it while you have it, okay? It may not always be there. Um, but I just wanted to be cool. I didn't want to be like the Christian. You know, I knew a few Christian boys and girls in school, and I didn't want to be like them. I just wanted to be in the cool crowd. You know, I want to be hip. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to have fun. My teenage years took a turn for the worse, and it was not, you know, I wasn't one of the kids that you, your mom wanted you to hang out with. Um, you know, I wasn't the boy that your mom wanted your daughter to date. Uh, and so I made a lot of bad choices then. You know, I could blame a lot of the bad choices that I made in my teen years on a lot of different things. And you hear people say um, there's a lot of different influences that influence kids to make wrong decisions, things like peer pressure, you know, seeing other people um, doing fun things and, and being pressured in that way. Um, for me, I was more the peer pressure than anybody peer pressuring me. I was peer pressuring other people to do make wrong decisions and wrong choices. Um, I could blame, you know, the direction my life took as a teenager on my parents splitting up. My parents divorced um, when I was a teenager, and I could blame all my problems and choices on them, but I don't. Um, I could blame it on the culture. Growing up in the 70s on the Outer Banks, there just wasn't a whole lot of cool Christians around. And again, I wanted to be cool. I didn't want it to be, um, you know, a, a Christian or the way that I saw the Christians then. There just wasn't a whole lot. There was no cool Christian surfers to look up to. There was no cool Christian music culture to listen to. There was no um, uh, FCA, you know, where you could get in the fellowship with Christian athletes. None of that. There was just a very few people living on the Outer Banks then, and there was a very few Christians that were my age, and uh, I didn't want to be like any of them that I knew. Uh, I just wanted to be the cool person. Have fun. That was my attitude. I knew that the real reason... I know now, looking back, that the real reason I made the decisions that I did was just because of me, I was self-centered. And all my whole attitude was all about having fun. It was all about me. I made a lot of really bad decisions when I was a teenager in my teenage life. Um, and a lot of decisions that I made could have turned out really bad. Um, but, you know, for, God, for some reason, God had his hand on me and protected me somehow down the line for most of the decisions that I made anyway. As I look back on my life at different stages in my teenage years, um, I can see how God was kind of protecting me and watching over me and, and guiding me in a certain direction, even though I wasn't living for him or wasn't obedient to him. And then on my 13th birth, birthday, around that time, um, something great happened in my life to change my life forever. The most beautiful girl in the school invited me to church, Nags Head Church to be specific, this church. It wasn't this church then. It was a little white building over there that sat um, beside where we're at now. And she invited me to church and began, I started going to church. Matter of fact, the first time I went to that church with her was on my 13th birthday. 
And um, I got up that morning and put on my white painter pants. Anybody remember the white painter pants from the 70s? Some of you are nodding. You remember those. And the best shirt that I could find, it was clean that day. And went to church uh, with her and her family um, because she was there. And that was pretty much the only reason I went. And uh, that first Sunday, I walked in, and uh, it was my birthday that had been that week. I don't know if it was the same day, but it had been that week. And uh, they were like all the Southern, good Southern Baptist churches then. The, they had the Sunday school and then church. And before Sunday school, they would get together, like the whole, everybody would get together and sing a song, and then you would go off to your classes. And during that time, they would uh, they ask, you know, this is my first, first Sunday there, um, teenager, insecure, you know, and pimply face and all that stuff, you know, and, and they said, Anybody have a birthday this week? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was me. I had a birthday this week. You know, maybe they're giving something away, so I'm raising my hand, you know. And, uh, and so they go, well, come on down the front. We're going to sing happy birthday to you. And so here I'm standing in the front of this church, you know, with nobody I knew except for a couple of kids, and, uh, and they sang happy birthday to me, and I was embarrassed. But um, I came back anyway. And looking back now, as I, I think about um, that church, you know, when there was just a a handful of people there uh, really appreciate how they accepted me, even as wild as I looked and all that stuff. They they still uh, accepted me for who I was. So anyway, we started dating. Um, I guess about a year later in October of um, 1978, eighth grade. I asked Sandra to be my girlfriend to date, you know, exclusively, and so that's when we started dating. I started coming to church with her family then. And we, um, you know, whenever they could drag me out of bed, they would come and blow the horn, and I would get up, and they'd wait for me to get dressed and take me to church. And, you know, I would go and listen. You know, the main reason I was there was to see her, but I would listen, and I heard the sermons. You know, I knew the stories. I knew, the, I knew who Jesus was and what I was all about. And, um, but I started hearing a little bit more about the Bible, and at that age, maybe 14 or so, I became, you know, I started understanding a little more about who God was. Of course, when you're a kid, you just know what your parents tell you and teach you, and you believe that. But I kind of started at that age, at 14 or so, understanding that, you know, what sin was and, and that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior and that the only way to, um, to have a relationship with God, especially eternally, was to accept Christ as my Savior. And so I kind of came to the understanding that God will hold each one of us accountable in perpetuity, in perpetuity. You can write that in your notes, and uh, that simply means eternity. That's just that's a fancy word. Because it starts with a P, I picked that word because all the year blanks will start with a P today, and that's what good um, preachers do. They, you know, they make it all rhyme. Or, or, so I picked that word in perpetuity. Um, so, but anyway, I became um, aware that God would hold me accountable for eternity. And I could choose where that place would be. If, if I ignored God, then he would hold me accountable, um, and I would not spend eternity with him. You know, and there's a verse in Ecclesiastes, I kind of, um, the, the verse says that, that um, God has planted in the human heart the idea of eternity. And so I, at that age, I began to realize that there is an eternity. There will be a heaven and a hell. And I knew I didn't want to spend eternity in hell. Romans 5, 6 says, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And that's when I understood then. And so when I was around 14, we went to a little uh, gospel thing, I guess you could call it, in Manio. And like I said, there was no you know, alternative Christian music. There was either uh, hymns 
or Southern Gospel. That was the only two choices in Christian music. And so we went to a Southern Gospel sing, uh, Laverne Trip. Anybody remember Laverne Trip? A couple of people do, way back. And uh, so we went and um, didn't enjoy the music much, but I heard the message. And so I, you know, I did the, the good uh, Christian thing. I sealed the deal by walking down the aisle. You know, that's kind of what you did then to show your commitment. And so I accepted Christ as my Savior around 14 years old. Uh, I didn't always live for the Lord. I certainly felt uh, for a while there, you know, I was a Christian and I kind of had to, you know, try to act like that, but it didn't really stick um, the way I, I behaved my, uh, in the decisions that I made. But uh, I was, you know, I knew who I, I knew was a Christian. I knew that Jesus had died for me and saved me and, and that um, I was going to heaven, but I didn't always live for him, like I said. And so uh, to make a long story short, uh, within a couple of years of dating, Sandra and I were married on her 16th birthday, and we had one daughter, Jennifer, and another one on the way at 16 and 16 and a half. Obviously, we didn't make the right choices. We didn't make a lot of wise decisions, and we weren't living for God. But here we were, two 16-year-olds married with a child, one child and another one on the way. And just two months after uh, we got married, we married in July, uh, just two, two months later, Cindy, our second daughter, was born, and she had um, a birth defect called spina bifida. And uh, the day that she was born, two hours or two or three hours after she was born in Elizabeth City, they took her to Norfolk General, I mean to uh, King's Daughters in Norfolk um, by way of ambulance, and uh, she had a surgery the next day. And she was in the hospital for the first 20 days of her life. And as six, two 16-year-olds uh, with two children, one of them in the hospital, believe me, it was not a, a great time. It was a scary time. Now, we were so poor, I didn't even have a car that we could drive from here to Norfolk in. Someone had to take us up there uh, to see Cindy as she was in the hospital. Very scary time for us. And you would think that that happening to someone at that age would shake them up, but it didn't. Uh, maybe for a while it did, but I went back to my same old ways, the same old self-centered attitude. Um, and no matter how poor we were or how bad things got, I always had a positive outlook. That's kind of me. I, you know, I always kind of looked on the bright side. And so at that, you know, even at 16, 17 with two kids, my, you know, I, I had a positive outlook. Uh, my attitude was, hey, you know, We've got our kids, you know, we're married, and uh, we'll be done by, you know, early. Our kids will be grown, and we'll be free to do whatever we want to do. You know, our kids, you know, they'll be gone when we're still young enough to have fun. And uh, that was kind of my attitude, you know, that we'll, we'll be done early. And uh, that was all, you know, it was all about me, all about my attitude, having fun. In those early years, you know, we still kept going to church by the grace of God for some reason. Um, we kept going to church, um, even though I, I didn't live the way I should have. I didn't make the right decisions about uh, the direction my life was going. You know, I, would, I was like a lot of other Christians, like a lot of Christians are. They, they hear a certain sermon, you know, and they feel convicted and guilty, and I would change for a little while, you know, but then I'd go right back to my same old, same old ways. You know, we would... Um, you know, they say the, the better a sermon is, is you can, you can kind of judge how good a sermon is by how guilty you feel when you leave church. And that was me, you know. If, if it was a good sermon, I'd feel real guilty. And, you know, I might, I might straighten up for a couple of days, maybe even a week, but I'd go right back to my same old self-centered ways. 
Um, never really taken, you know, what I heard seriously. I was a believer. I knew that. That's why we went to church. But I was not a follower. You know, there's a huge difference there, too. And I, I was living it. I was still living for me. Um, I wasn't the husband I was supposed to be. I wasn't the father I needed to be. Um, I had mastered the art of shutting God's spirit down. You know, I would hear something and then I would, like I said, I would just feel guilty for a little while, but I wouldn't act on it. You know, I, was, I would hear things and, that I needed to do and, and I would kind of just shut those things out, put them off to the side. There's statistics going around. I've heard people say that, you know, a certain amount of people, a really high percentage of people, I don't know, maybe 80, 85% of people go to church every Sunday and hear messages from God's word, but go out and never put them into practice in their life. And that was me. I've been on both sides now, you know, standing up here sharing with you and encouraging different ways. And I was there. I know exactly the, the mind think, the mind, the way the mind works and the way you, um, Think about things that God is trying to impress on you and how to ignore them. And I was an expert at that. But at the age of 24 in 1988, uh, we were just like any other good Southern Baptist church. Uh, we had a revival in the spring and one in the fall. You know, it was in our bylaws. We had to. You had to have a, revi a spring revival. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And you had to have a fall revival. Whether the church needed one or not, you had to have them. And so uh, we had a fall revival in 19, the year 1988, and there was a book out that year called um, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Return in 1988. And we had a, a pastor come, and his name was Bill Hall, and our church didn't believe that you could pick the date, and he didn't believe that you could pick the date because the Bible says no, no man knows that day. But he brought that book up just to point out that we never know what day that will be. There's no way of knowing. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be 200 years from now. But as I sat and listened there in that, in, in that um, service, it just kind of hit me like a ton, ton of bricks that, you know, one day I would have to be held accountable in person to Jesus for the decisions that I make. And God will hold me accountable in person. Romans 14 says, So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. You know, and I realized at that age of 24, in that, in that, that week, you know, God was really just speaking to me and saying, Hey, one day you're going to have to stand face to face. You say you're a believer, but you sure don't live like it. You sure don't act like it. And one day I knew that I was going to have to stand before him just one-on-one -on -one and give him an account of who I was. And that scared me to death. And I came to the understanding then that God really wanted to do something different in my life, but I had to submit to him. And it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't an easy process. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. It was a long process. It was a slow transformation. It was things that God wanted me to do and change and be that I wasn't willing to do and change and be. At that point of our lives, uh, not long after that, Sandra and I realized that uh, we had two girls and it was trying to, time to try for a boy. And um, Lauren's heard that her whole life and she turned out to be a beautiful third daughter for us. 
and we are glad that she is who she is. Um, so, you know, Lauren came along, and, you know, we had the, the perfect family, you know, and, and we were trying to figure out who we were. Um, I didn't really know at that time, but God was trying to move me in a certain direction. He was working on me. Um, and not long after that, that sermon that I heard that really kind of gripped me, um, God kind of started working in my life, trying to pull things and pull me in different directions and teach me different things. And uh, another, in another service, a couple of years after that first service that I was in, uh, we had a, another revival. And uh, one night, I just kind of, you know, I'd been wrestling with God, and He'd been trying to, you know, teach me some things and and move me in some different directions. And and uh, I showed up at church, one of the revival meetings, and you know, by chance, I sat behind beside um, uh, a, a guy that was going through another tough time. And last year. You may have heard Pastor Rick's story about how he was going through the desert. We went through uh, the story of Moses, and Rick shared how that God um, put him through his desert experience. And him, he Rick, you know, was a pastor, and then he lost his church, and he went out and um, became a carpenter and worked for a couple of years. And he just felt like, you know, this is not what I want to be doing. And 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 he was going through this period of um, in his desert experience, you know, where God was testing him. And uh, I was going through the, I think, the, at the same period. And we showed up the same night at a church service, a revival service. And it just happened that I sat beside him that night. Looking back now, I think it was God's hand moving us in the same direction. And I can remember that service. And, and later on, after he became our pastor, we talked about it. And he said, you remember being there that night. You remember the song that was sung. And he remembers that night just like it was yesterday. And a couple of months later, um, God brought him to our church as our pastor. And the friendship that we had, you know, built really um, strengthened my faith and helped me to grow. You know, we began meeting together. And Rick said, hey, if anybody here is in our, in our church, you know, is willing to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning before work, I will do that with them and have a Bible study. You know, and it was like the craziest thing I had ever heard before because I'd never done anything like that. You know, I'd never wanted to be in a Bible study. So here I am getting up at 5.30 in the morning and uh, Rick was um, willing to do that and teach me and help me to grow, really poured himself into me. At that point in my life, God began moving me in different directions of thinking. And he was preparing me for some things that um, just, um, to, uh, I guess you could call them growth spurts. And the first thing that um, I can remember God really impressing on my heart, and the only thing I can explain is, is God's Holy Spirit really just working in my heart, changing my attitude. And the first one was is how thankful I was for my wife that he had given me and how he had brought us together sovereignly. You know, when I look back on it now, you know, I don't know where my life would have been if I hadn't started going to church with her when I was a teenager. Even though I didn't live the way I should have then, uh, I can see how God really put us together and it changed my life forever. And so I just kind of got this overwhelming sensation of thankfulness for her, and God was putting that in my heart. He also began impressing on me how important it was to be a father and not to just act like a Christian on Sunday, but begin living it out in my life. And I knew that at one day my kids would be older and they'd be looking at my life, and I didn't want them to see me as a hypocrite, someone who just said they were a Christian but didn't act like it. And so it really became a conviction in my life um, as he did that. There were things that... Um, we're not making me the person that I should be. You know, for me, um, 
at being on the construction job, I would listen to rock music. And I'm not here to preach against rock music. I'm just saying in my life, um, at that time, you know, I would listen to eight hours of rock music a day, five, six days a week, the whole time I was working, you know. And it became, it was a bigger influence in my life than God was. And so he began taking that away. So here I am, you know, I got it all in control. You know, we're living our lives. We were going to church Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. You know, we're doing all the right Christian things. I was growing. I was getting back, you know, getting close to God. And uh, we had the perfect family, you know, 2.5 kids. And um, so God was just really working on me. But he had another lesson for me to learn um, before he uh, was really done. It was one area in my life that uh, he wanted to work on. Now, at that time, when Lauren was about four years old, um, Sander was babysitting for a friend of ours that is a foster parent. And we'd known her for a few years, and she had had a little girl come into her care for, uh, for about a year. And we were babysitting her at that time and just kind of helping out. She would go out of town for a weekend. We'd keep um, this little girl for about a, you know, for a weekend or whatever, on and off for about a year. And uh, one day I came home, and Sander said that... Um, that our friend had come over and said that, you know, it had been about a year she was in foster care and it was time for her to be adopted, and that our friend was not able to um, adopt her. She had adopted some other kids, and, and they just had too many um, kids to adopt anymore. And so that this little girl needed a home. Uh, you know, they were looking for someone to adopt her. And we had never even thought about being foster parents. You know, the, the furthest thing from my mind was adopting another child. You know, through, we had three girls, and and um, it, just, it just wasn't part of my plan uh, to even think about that. I never even considered it. And, um, but the opportunity arose. I was at that point, I think, that God began teaching me another lesson. And uh, that was that God will hold us accountable in principle uh, for the decisions that we make day to day. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You'll always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from, sinful, from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I had a choice to make. We had a choice to make. You know, do we open up our home, you know, or do we just say, hey, we've, you know, we've got all the kids we need, you know, that was certainly going to mess up my plan for early retirement, you know, if, if we uh, adopted another child. And, um, but God just really began working on me, and we were praying about it for some time. And I can remember being at work one day and just, you know, we were just praying about it, you know, this decision that God, um, you know, the opportunity he had given us. And I can remember being at work one day and, and uh, listening to, I had finally gotten some good Christian music, contemporary Christian music, Sturt, Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, back in the day. And just one of his songs um, is about, was about, I don't remember the title of it, but it was about seeing someone, going down the road and seeing someone in need and turning your head the other way as, as this to say, I'm too busy to help someone. And man, that really convicted me. I, you know, I just came to the realization that it was all still, I was still thinking about me and not other people. And so we decided to adopt Amy, um, and that was a, a way of um, opening up our home to someone and giving them a home. And the principle of um, 
Reaping and sowing is an important one that we learn about in our day-to-day lives, in the decisions that we make and who we are. The principle is simply this. If I make all all my decisions based on my personal self-centered needs, then that's what I'll reap. That's what I'll reap back. Uh, the, The principle of sowing and reaping is the principle of sowing, planting something. That's what you get back. If you plant a corn seed, you get corn back. If you plant a, 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 a wheat seed, you get wheat back. You don't get the opposite back of what you plant. And so if we only think about ourselves, if we only make decisions based on our own um, selfish ideas, or we only treat people um, the way that we want to, not the way God wants us to, then that's what we'll harvest back. But the same is true in the opposite, too. If we plant... And if we sow out good seed, then God blesses us in turn. I had made a, we had made a lot of, I had made a lot of bad decisions in my youth. And some of those things uh, we had, I had reaped and, and gotten back, you know, uh, the consequences of those. But God's mercy comes in and his grace comes in when we change our lives around and we start following him. And when we start making decisions that benefit other people and benefit, benefit God rather than ourselves, his mercy comes in in the same way that as we harvest bad, bad comes back. We harvest good, good comes back. I had made a lot of bad decisions in my life, and as I was changing those, I was seeing how God was working grace back into our lives and back into my life. God turned my life around, but only when I decided to put my hand in his and start following him and be who, I, who he wanted me to be. Think about with me, God used the whole idea of accountability to bring me back to him and to bring me to the place where he wanted me to be. I'm not the perfect person. I'm still working on being a better husband and a better father. Um, I'm in the parent pod with all the other parents, still learning. But um, God changed my life into um, something great. You know, Now we have four beautiful daughters, two grandkids, and God has blessed us. So what about you? You know, I would imagine that in this room uh, with this many people in here, there's probably people at different, at the same stages that I, were, I was at in my life. There's probably people in here that maybe never have even thought about God holding them accountable for eternity. If you're here today and uh, you're not really sure, you, you know, I don't know where I'll be when I pass away. I don't know that um, I'm ready to face God for eternity. Um, we want to help you to understand that Jesus died for you. Accepting his forgiveness will seal the deal for you, will, will um, you know, help you to spend eternity with Christ, with God forever. So some people have to answer for that today. Some people have to make that decision. Am I willing to be accountable for eternity? Some people need to be accountable for um, lordship. You know, and that's, that's what I had to do in my life at a certain time. I had to finally say, hey, it's not all about me. It's about you, God. It's about following you. It's about making decisions that you want me to make, following you in a relationship, a closer, deeper relationship. And that's what lordship's all about, is making him the Lord of your life. Some people need to answer for the decisions they've made, past um, decisions, past personal decisions. Um, you may be facing consequences for those decisions today, but God's grace can t- come in and take and cover those, help you to deal with those. 
People sometimes live kind of in a trap of the decisions they made earlier in their lives or uh, consequences that they may be living out in the decisions they're making. But God wants you to change your story. He wants your story to be his story. And so I want to ask people today, think about, if you would, think about what kind of story do I want to tell at the end of my life? What kind of story do I want to tell at the end of my experiences? Is it going to be God's story? Is it going to be a selfish story? Whatever it is, whatever area in your life that you're in, we want to help you here at Nags Head Church. And that's what we're here for. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for um, what you've done in my life. I thank you for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Father, when I think about all the things that I've done, all the wrong decisions, I thank you that um, I can come to you, Father, and you're faithful to forgive those, those sins. Father, I pray for anybody here today that may be struggling with that, who may not know where they're going uh, when they pass on. And I pray that you would help them to understand uh, just exactly uh, who it is you are and the Savior that you sent. Father, there's probably people here who um, are struggling with uh, following you, no doubt people that want to make the right decisions. They want to dedicate their life to you, but it's just difficult. It's, it's hard. And so I pray for those folks, Father, that today would be the day that uh, they would look to you for, um, for guidance and uh, make that decision to follow you. And Father, I pray for those who have made um, mistakes in the past and maybe living with those consequences, uh, the shame uh, from those decisions. I just pray, God, that you would Uh, bring mercy and grace into their lives. Help them to understand forgiveness, but also help them to understand that uh, the decisions they make day to day can change those circumstances. And I just pray, God, that you'll help understand that. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.